There are a lot of homes today where there's a person that calls himself a Christian as a wife and a Christian as a husband who do not have a Christian home. See, Christian home is not constituted just by two people saying they're Christians living in a home. A Christian home is developed when people who say they love Christ determine that they're going to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in the home more than anywhere else on earth. Now, I know that the tendency is to be just the opposite. Many of us have felt down through the ages, you know, when I go out at the job and I'm talking to my boss, well, no matter what he says, I've got to be very kind to him. Or if I'm, if I'm handling customers, taking care of customers where I work, uh, the customer's always right. I mean, if they call me dirty names, if they throw something in my face, whatever, I just have to say, well, that's all I understand. We've got to be very, very kind to them. And then we come home and put our cap on backwards or turn our apron on the back and, and, and everything goes haywire because that's when we can let down and be ourselves. You see, that doesn't constitute a Christian home. You know, I really believe that if God wants us to be Christians anywhere on the face of the earth, it's in our homes more than anywhere else. If God wants us to be more patient and kind any place on earth, it's in our homes. If he wants us to be more loving and understanding any place on earth, it's got to be in our homes. See, our home is the smallest unit in our society. And as that home is, so will the rest of the nation be. Not how we are outside the home, but how we are in the home. And I'm not going to preach a whole sermon this morning, but, but I just want you to know that the reason it's so essential for a husband and wife to love one another and to have respect for one another and to be kind and loving and tender-hearted with one another is because the children are looking at you to find out what God is going to be like in their relationship with Him. You see, most fathers don't realize this, but when they're very small, children get a perception from them because parent children can't compare. They can only look at and perceive what God must be like. When somebody says, your heavenly Father loves you, they perceive what their father's like. Dave Wilkerson used to say that when he was down in New York City in the slum areas, one of the greatest difficulties they had was trying to give, get the young people to make a transition when you would say father to them from what they had as drunken bums and guys that would come home and beat up the family and tear up the house and steal all the money out of the house. and When they looked at that, they had no respect for the position of a father. And this is why it's so essential as parents to realize that our children are going to learn in their response to us how they will respond later on to God. That's why it's not just two Christians in a home, but it's two Christians being Christians in a home and teaching the children day by day how to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in their home. You see, if we really believe that two people are joined together by a, a sacred vow to God, and they become one flesh for life, and recognize Christ as the head of the home, God the Father is your source and provider, and the Holy Spirit is your teacher, and that's what we're supposed to be confessing as Christians, then of all people on the face of the earth, we ought to see to it and make it first our first priority that our homes will be established where when people walk in, they can sense the presence of the Lord in our midst. Now, if it isn't, you know, we can say, well, it isn't. But by the grace of God, we can also, I would say, I'm determined that it shall be. I just read a book here that was uh, recommended to me by Sally Kimmig, and uh, I usually don't get a lot of time to read books, but when it has something to do in the area that I'm very concerned about, I, I like to get it out. And I'm going to bring it and put it in the library, by the way. It's called Rekindled. I would encourage you, if you're having difficulties in your home, in a, as a Christian home, and both professing to be Christians, but it's not functioning the way it's supposed to, I encourage you to get that book. Here was a man who 
while it was important to get his wife and, and, and win her, he gave his attention to her. And then when he got her, I got her now. I can go on and get my life, finish out my life's work. And uh, this woman came to a place where she became like a zombie around him. And God convicted him and showed him what he had done. And the story of the, of the rebuilding that the Spirit of God allowed him to do over a period of months, if not years, uh, without any reciprocity, without her being able to respond back to him at all, he began to see that it's my responsibility to, before God to love my wife as the weaker vessel and to hold her up and to sustain her. And I haven't done that. I haven't made her precious in my presence and in my sight. I haven't allowed other people to know she's present, precious in my sight. He began to do a rekindling of a love. And they wrote the book out of this, this experience that they had. And it's, it's just a fantastic thing. And I thought, you know, if, if more parents could realize how essential it is, don't call your home a Christian home. Just say this is a house where two of us who call ourselves Christians live until you come to a place where you begin to manifest Christian dispositions one to the other and demand it of yourself for your partner. Now I say that because there'll be many times when you once you make that quality decision to do so that your partner may not respond. In fact, they may respond very negatively. And that's when you've got to decide, have I made a quality decision or am I going to respond to her response or his response? But it's so essential as the, the smallest unit in society that we establish our homes as two Christians operating by biblical principles so that our children can recognize what a relationship with our, their relationship with God should actually be. There's three ideals here, and I, I'm just going to read them, basically read them to you, three, because I don't want to preach three ideals. And that first one is reverence toward God. Recognizing that you're not your own, you've been bought with a price. That the closest person on the face of the earth to you is to be your husband or your wife. Not your pastor, not your friend down the street, not the people you work with. Everyone, not the guys that go bowling, not the people you go hunting with, not the people that you uh, go to the, the clubs with. It, it's, it's your husband and your wife are to be the first, foremost, the most precious possession you have on earth. Establish that in your home out of a reverence toward God because that's what he said it's supposed to be. Secondly, train your children. That word train actually means to keep them on a short rope. Train your children to obey the parents. And you don't have to get all the psychological and, and uh, psychological reasons as to why they should. I hear so many parents asking their children, Will you, would you like to do this for me? Would you like to do that for me? Kids say no. Uh, you see, when you open the door for something like that, you, you teach them to be willful children. Uh, there comes a place, you see, God doesn't come along and say, would you like to? He tells you what he wants you to do. And if you're, if you're wise, you respond to the Lord. But the scripture says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for, this, for it is right. You see, that's all you have to say. That's all you have to know in your heart. God says it's right. If it's right, it's right. It's never wrong. It's always right. And so when I tell you to do something, I expect you to do it. Why? Because it's right. But what if I don't want to? Then we'll deal with it on, the on another level. I've always worked with my children on one level, say, will you do this right quick, please? Or do this right quick, either way. And expect them to do it. If they don't, I say, uh, now. I always used to say, now. If they didn't, then I'd say, uh, okay, and we would deal with it another way. When I speak, I say what I mean, and I mean what I say, and I love you very much, but you will respond, because I love you. 
I'm going to make you respond. And when rebellion would show its ugly head, we would deal with that even in a sterner fashion until it was taken care of. And all the time I did it, I'd come away and say, Father, that was not fun, it was not enjoyable, but it was necessary because they have to have a reverence for God and they'll never have a reverence for you if they don't have a reverence for me. And let me just insert, husbands, you need to teach your children to have a reverence for your wife. Teach them to. To hold your wife in a high position, in a, in a very revered position. Now let me tell you something, you can't do that by words, you've got to do it by deeds and words. If you're not holding in a high position, you are establishing in your children seeds that will destroy their future homes. Did you hear me? If you're not holding your wife in the right position, you're establishing seeds to destroy your children's homes. Think about it. You're planting seeds that later on will destroy your children's homes, but by the grace of God. If you're not loving and kind, one to another, the Lord wants you to be, and teaching your children to learn in the home, learn responsibilities. You don't teach them their rights, you teach them their responsibilities. This is the problem with society, teaching children their rights. God says they have responsibilities, and when they become responsible, then privileges come with responsibility. Today they want their rights without responsibility, and God says that's out of order. Thirdly, patience. Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your moderation or considerateness be known unto all men. And again I say, the word, I mean, that, that many people feel that the hardest place to do that is in the home, but the only place, the most important place to do it is in the home, according to God's Word. And I want to read to you from Colossians, the first chapter, verses 9 through 11. Paul the Apostle said, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to the glorious power, here it is, unto all patience and long-suffering and joyfulness. That should be manifested in our homes. Patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness. If I were to right now say, I want each one of you to take a piece of paper and write down, if you feel that your partner has those qualities, how many of you would want them to hand it in? If I were to bring it up here front and say, well now according to such and such, uh, but you see, God knows. And it's one thing to know that they might, you might not have that quality, but it's another thing to be satisfied not to have that quality, knowing that your home is the most important unit that God has ever established upon this earth. Governments fall, but families still stand. And then back in Philippians, the second chapter, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. That tells me that the highest form of love in the home will be your concern above everything else, above your work, above your own needs, is a need for the needs of your wife and your children. God says an honorable husband will take care of them first. First. Many, many times we wait until last. But you see, 
you never know how long you're going to have them. And you may be working too long to get the other things that are important to you done. And then when you finally got them done, you won't have that loved one to enjoy them with. So God says, put them first. Always first. I always asked the Lord when I was a young Christian, that whenever I got married, I wanted my, my home to be the closest thing to heaven on earth. And I thank God it has been. I can't think of any place on earth I would rather be, day or night, than at home. I'm not saying that to make people say, well, yeah, you say that because yours is. No, I say that because yours can be. But it takes a quality decision, and that's what God wants us to do. Make everything else secondary, but to make our homes a heaven on earth. I'll just tell you this much as I close. If you'll do these things, you'll find out. I don't have to tell you afterwards. You'll know that it's worth it. It's worth it. No joy on earth like knowing the joy of your home being what it ought to be. No greater joy on earth than to know your children love the Lord and are following the Lord. But again, it happens as you plant seeds in your home. Every seed you plant is going to come forth in them later on. By the grace of God, you need to establish your homes to where it's not just a home with Christians in it, it's a Christian home. There's a tremendous difference. Father, minister this truth to our hearts this morning. We thank you for every father that's here. In the name of Jesus, I ask that you would cause us to have a time of blessing and encouragement now as we share one with another concerning the things of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.